All right, all right. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Uh, this is the Texas Triangle. Thank you again for joining us. I uh, want to remind you this episode is brought to you by The Forever Perch in theaters July 4th. And uh, thank you. We'd like for you to follow, subscribe if you like what we're doing. Um, if not, you know, let us know that too. We'd like to hear that information as well. And hi, hi, John. Hi. Welcome back. I also want to thank our sponsors, The Living Estate of Prince. Yes. And Pepsi Cola. Yes. Thank yeah. you, PepsiCo. Slash yeah. Yum Brands slash Frito Lay, yeah. Quaker Oats. No, wait, no. Quaker Oats is its own thing. Separate. There's like two companies that make all the food, and we're brought to you by one of them. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> good start, guys. This is a good start. Let's get back into this. Um, I mean, I guess the obvious place to start is playoffs. We don't have a draft lottery or anything yet. We'll touch on that in a little bit, though. Frankly, um, nothing much has happened besides playoff games since yeah. we last met up. A few rumors, but mostly yep. just uh, playoff games. So, I think the obvious place to start for me is Chris Paul. I was hoping you would go right to Phoenix. Yes. Yeah. No. I'm enjoying Chris Paul and the Suns so goddamn much. It's not even funny, man. I'm just fully on the bandwagon. Yeah. I think this whole run, you know, when we talk about the legacies of great players, we always talk about rangs and things like that. Yep. But I feel like this run taking a Phoenix team that has been irrelevant for the better part of a decade to potentially the finals, the conference, whatever it is. Yep. It's going to be this, the conference finals yeah. no matter what it seems like. This is just as validating as winning a championship. I agree, man. Because this, this is not a roster that a lot of people had pegged to go anywhere before he went there. And when he went there, even then people were saying, I don't know how much this moves the needle. Yeah, he was yeah. great in OKC last year. Which, by the way, OKC is largely the same team they were last year, just minus him. And they have horrendous. the second worst record yeah. in the league. Yeah. So I, I, it's just awesome to see what Chris Paul is still capable of doing. And the, the way him and Monty Williams mesh and him and Book mesh is just like, man, it, it's uber depressing as a Rockets fan seeing what could have been if Harden just would have not been so hard-headed and listened and taken some criticism. But, God, it's awesome to see for Chris Paul and for Phoenix as well. Their fans are always so live and I know we have that one video leaking of that guy beating the shit out of the Nuggets fan, but it, for the most part, they seem to have that loud, crazy fan base that's kind of wholesome at the same time, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and I root for the Suns, typically. I, I think they're a cool, fun team. It's really cool to have fans back in the stands, you know? Dude, yes. Just They're all insane. They forgot their manners over the last <laughs> year, and it's just, <laughs> it makes it so much better. Yeah, it really does, man. It and, really does. You know, to, whoever, to whoever's listening to this podcast, I want to make sure that everyone is writing a formal written apology to Chris Paul, because we've all had a lot of fun with Chris Paul over his career. Yep. A ton of fun. I, it's really enjoyable to watch him dribble the ball off his leg and, you know, a crucial part of a playoff game, but <laughs> I think at this stage in his career, it's it's nice to see him uh, have a little bit of validation. I agree because he is one of the best players and obviously one of the obviously best point guards we've ever seen. But just he, player overall, he's incredible. And, yeah, to and, me, he might be. I mean, he's definitely a top five all time point guard. But easily, easily. I, I mean, we're getting to a point where we can start having that conversation. You know, where do you rank him? And I think. What he's doing in the playoffs this year, uh, just being cutthroat in the fourth yeah. quarter, just murdering people from the mid-range, making the Nuggets look silly. Um, and the reigning MVP, who yeah. more than deserved it. 
yeah. look like a fool. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah. No, the Suns are awesome. Devin Booker's yeah. awesome. Yep. Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton. Awesome. DeAndre Ayton, man. Another person who deserves some apologies. Agreed. Yep. Because he wasn't Luka Doncic. Yep. Or Trey Young. Yep. But, I mean, he's an awesome player, man. He's freaking fantastic. He's dominant. And Chris Paul, I think, is a big part of that. He came in and said, hey, dude, you realize what you could be, right? Like, look at your size. Look at your skill set. Like, get in there and do it. Like, that's the only thing keeping you back. Yeah. And, and it seems like Aiton really fucking listened. And, and Chris is... It, uh, it's crazy. The way that team has completely reinvented itself. Yeah. But not at all. The roster turnover hasn't really happened other than Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, they went on that crazy bubble run last year where they went 8-0 yep. in the bubble. And they still missed the playoffs. Yep. And then they, they built on that. They brought in Chris Paul. They finished with the... Is it number one, number two record in the West? Second record in the West, yeah. Second yeah. Best. And now they're going to the conference finals, and I think I'm picking them to go to the finals. And I might too, yeah. I, I am too, for sure going to yeah. pick them to go to the finals. Uh, I, that being said, though, I do want to say also a team where I kind of wrote them off all year, even though they had the best record in the league, is I got to give some props to Utah, man. I mean, I know Clippers just beat them, but I, it's just – that team is, is legit, and it's really good. And I was expecting it to be like, oh, ho-hum, we get to the playoffs and somebody exposes Rudy Gobert in space again. And, yeah. and that hasn't happened at all. And Donovan Mitchell has become Kobe Bryant. And it's it's wild. It's fun to watch this new kind of changing of the guard at the top of the Western Conference for me. You got Nuggets, Suns, and, and a, a Jazz running things. And it's kind of cool see these LA teams having to fight for it again mm-hmm. and, and not being just, Oh, well there's golden state and everybody else like it was for a few years. And it, it's cool, man. I like to see all these younger guys kind of realizing how fantastic they are and how they're going to be the future of this mm-hmm. league. And I've been watching this Utah Clippers series intently. Me too. There are so many fascinating elements to me. Number one, which you touched on is Donovan Mitchell blossoming into a superstar. It's so cool to watch these Utah games, and it really pains me to say nice things about Utah, but... Always. Uh, seeing <laughs> seeing D-Wade on the sidelines, like, rooting for, you know, his spiritual sequel in Donovan yep. Mitchell. Um, you know, Rudy Gobert, who, for some reason, was, like, blamed for the start of a global pandemic. <laughs> you know, having a little bit of retribution is cool. That being said, he was a little asshole in that press conference, running around touching the mics and shit. Oh, that he was, was totally a little French yeah. prick fucking, yeah. but, you know. But that being said, I agree. It was kind of blown out of proportion. Yeah. The whole league seemed to blame him for COVID-19. So where do you see the series going? It's 2-1. Clippers just won in pretty convincing fashion last night. And they switched up their defensive strategy on Donovan Mitchell to basically be a flood him with James Harden-level double team at half court kind of stuff and it seems to have really worked so i don't know i think the series will be all up to what quinn snyder does to counterpunch ty Lue's adjustment defensively on donovan mitchell because if donovan mitchell's not dropping that 35 40 40 piece that he's been doing and he still finished with 32 he just didn't score until like you know halfway through the first half you know do we have any word on whether or not mike conley's coming back no word yet. I think he's still kind of questionable. Um, I, I think they there were a lot of tweets, a lot of chatter I saw in the, in the universe saying, like, wow, they could really use this guy in game yeah. four, and that's true. If Conley comes back, I think the Jazz went out. Yeah. Um, if not, I could see this getting very interesting and going six or seven easily. Yeah. Because uh, I... Kawhi and Paul George seem to just – 
shrug and shake it all off last game. I don't know what happened. He was just, okay, I'm, I'm Paul George again. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about it. I don't, I, I'm not shook in the playoffs anymore. I'm here. Uh, it was weird. I still have no idea what to make of this Clippers team. I mean, we know what Kawhi Leonard is. Always. Consistent. But, and we can't really write them off yet because we just saw them climb out of a two-hole in the first round. Yep. But I think this Utah team is a different type of monster from the Mavs. They're so much more complete. They have defensive talent. Big time. They have three, four, five guys who can create on offense. Also true. It's not just like, I mean, yes, they're going to clamp down on Donovan Mitchell. They're going to throw everything they have at him. But when you do that, you also have guys like Jordan Clarkson, you know, Bogdanovich, Jingle and Joe Ingles. Jingle they can all Joe. do something. They can make a play. They can move yeah. the ball. Or catch and shoot. Or catch and yeah. shoot. Yeah. That first game, I it was kind of jarring. Every shot that Utah took was a three. Yep. Off the dribble, one pass, letting it fly. They, and I was yeah, like, this is are, really yeah. where this is really where the NBA is. And they I mean really are, yeah. they're the Rio Grande Vipers, essentially. Yeah. How <laughs> they just shoot. And it, it, they it won them a ton of games this season, yep. and they might go to the conference finals or even yep. the finals or win the title. I don't yeah, know. Who knows what's gonna happen? They seem like a really complete team. They're top five in defense and offense, I believe. Like, I, but like them and the Suns are both are two of the teams left that are. And I know they don't really have the, the roster construction to, you know, play another way than that, but I don't know if I like it. <laughs> I know it's winning games, but I don't know just as a fan of watching basketball if I like watching guys just run down the court and fling the first halfway decent three they get. I know I know it's the smart thing. It is, yep. And it's where it gets so tricky with this merging mm-hmm. of the math and the and the sport. And I don't I don't want to sound like an analytics denier because I'm certainly not. No, but it's neither just, one of us are by any means. But just like from a guy who grew up through, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, where the game was so different. I'm not saying it was better or anything like that, or we should go back to that. But, I mean, there's a part of me that misses the different varied elements of the game that we don't necessarily have with this Utah team. Now, the Clippers are a totally different beast. Also true. I was going to say, I'll, I I see a lot of success with the other teams that are varying it up and going to that kind of in-between game, though, this, yeah. this postseason. The Nets, in particular. And, and Chris Paul, obviously, just torching the mid-range like he always does. Um, it's it's fun. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with you. I think the, the teams that are adding that element, I see as more of a threat to the title than the teams that are kind of all in on that threes or nothing like the Jazz. And I do think the emergence of Donovan Mitchell gives them that extra element that they need to where they're not just relying on, you know, like those old Rockets teams, if the threes yeah. aren't falling. They're fucked. They're fucked. <laughs> Absolutely. The threes aren't falling and the refs aren't calling. They're fucked. Yeah. That, was pretty, that was like a Johnny Cochran rhyme all of a sudden. But <laughs> that's a bumper sticker, Yeah, that's man. a good bumper sticker, man, with the little Red Rocket <laughs> R logo that we got. The fucking Quake. If the threes aren't falling the and the refs aren't calling, yeah, we're The fun. threes aren't falling and the refs aren't calling, brother, let me tell you. But, uh, so you're, you're still picking Utah in this series? Yes, I am going to stick with Utah as much as it, I don't know, it, it kind of pains me. I can't, it, it's hard to find a team that I would root against versus Utah because I'm a Rockets fan through and through and I grew up through the 90s and there is no love lost between Utah and the Houston Rockets and vice versa. Um, and having a guy who was literally their kryptonite for a number of years and being able to just dispatch Utah in the playoffs with no trouble at all was so fun and enjoyable for me. 
but this Clippers team might be even more unlikable than the Utah Jazz for me. I, I might I might even be rooting for Utah to win this series is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Uh, I am I am unambiguously rooting for Utah. Just like you, it pains me to root for the Jazz. I don't have the bad blood with the Jazz that you do as a Rockets <laughs> fan. But I think as a Spurs fan, it doesn't need to be said why I'm rooting against the Clippers. Amen to that. And I think even if I weren't a Spurs fan... I couldn't see myself rooting for this Clippers team under any circumstances. They're just frustrating, kind of. Uh, any team that's that relying on Marcus Morris and Patrick Beverly. Yeah, they just have a bunch of unlikable uh, dudes like yes. Kawhi Leonard's like basketball Michael Myers, and then Paul George is... <laughs> he's Paul George. Yep. Um, some nights you love him, and some nights you're like, will you shut up and actually make a shot, please? Yeah, dude, like, yeah just then, fucking... Yes, I agree. It's, no, it, it is championship or bust, Paul. Yep. It is. It um, really is. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm going to stick with Utah in seven, but man, I am terrified of just, the, they fill me with dread, existential dread, the Clippers. And I don't even believe in them, but I just think they're one of those, ugh. I don't want to talk about the club. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I feel you, man. Yeah. I feel you. Let's move. Let's let's move on. What do we What do we see happening with Bucks Nets? I know Kyrie. We just witnessed Kyrie going down with that crazy, scary ankle roll. Yeah, we just but, witnessed the Bucks uh, pretty convincingly beat the Nets in Game Four. And series is two two. Tucker looks like he's back to twenty eighteen. Tucker and yeah. and uh, Giannis. I even earlier I told you it. It's crazy. I had a moment this game where I was like, oh, man, Giannis figured it out. Like, he yeah. figured out that Durant, that Blake Griffin, that Jeff Green, that none of these guys are going to even challenge him if he's coming full steam. And yeah. and it was he was just dunking all over guys and scoop shots, and it was just – it was crazy, man. I was really it, – it pains me because, you know, I'm Team Harden all the way, and their weird little beef they have – but uh, Giannis looks phenomenal. I can yeah. see the series going seven if Kyrie and Harden don't come back soon. And I can see the Bucks winning it if it's just Kevin Durant out there floundering, kind of doing, trying to do it himself. Yeah. Not floundering. That was a bad way to put it. He was still phenomenal. <laughs> but You know, it's funny. The first three games of the series, I thought we were seeing the, the same old Giannis. You know? Um, but this game, we did see a, a, like a light bulb come on for him where he realized, I am the craziest athletic specimen in the NBA and I don't have to maybe be... in a long time. Yeah. Ever. I mean <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, LeBron. Um man, but if, if Kyrie, if that ankle injury takes him out for really any amount of time and Harden can't come back and be Harden. We and to that note, we were looking at him on the sidelines just going, My God, this man has an injury he can't possibly rehab. Or exercise through. Yeah. Like, the rest is the cure for a hamstring strain. And this guy does not appear to be caring about what he's eating. <laughs> like, we've got... I mean, I'm not one to hate or comment. I had the worst diet on earth, dude. But yeah. it's not my job to be a pro basketball player at $43 million a yeah. season. And, like, this dude looks straight up chunky. Like, he looks worse than he did to me as a Rocket when mm -hmm. he was trying to leave the team by being fat. And I'm just like, what condition? I mean, Harden is Harden. He's going to come back doing James Harden things, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm a little worried, like... 
Well, the I mean, thing, the thing they that, rush him back and he's out of shape. Does this get worse? Like the thing with Harden is this: his game doesn't necessarily depend on him being in the best shape. Not at all. But right. I, I mean, like you said, this is a hamstring injury that needs to be rested, that needs rehab. And if he's not fit, you know, he could come back and tear his hamstring. You yep. know, he could there or other injuries. There are happen. lots of yeah. potential cascading effects that could happen. Um, but we what we saw is you know. KD on an island without yep. those other two Hall of Famers with him. Um, and he didn't really look like the KD we've seen throughout the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, he was pretty who, flustered, yeah. I think the refs really got under his skin this game, too. Yeah. They were calling a lot of stuff the Bucks way. Yeah. But I mean, KD looked like maybe the best player in the NBA through the first, you know, two rounds up until this game. Really and, did. Um, yeah, Which, he did. I don't know. Should that be an outlier then? I don't know. Should we just be thinking, eh, this is just an off game for KD? But he didn't have the help. Well, I mean, if the Bucks can, you know, really lock in on KD, and we saw P.J. Tucker do a pretty good job on him. Tuck wagon. The tuck wagon. Um, yeah. So, I guess there's a lot to be seen. We'll have to wait for the news on Kyrie and Harden. Yep. But right now, I think I might... Be swaying towards the Bucks a little bit. I think I am too. Uh, if 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 it's just KD trying to hold down the mm. fort for another game or two, and this thing get, I, I could see the Bucks stealing two more, and then it's both guys come back potentially game six, game seven. Uh, it could be a toss up if the Bucks are really feeling it and they're feeling confident and, and the momentum is their way. I know momentum's kind of a myth, yeah, analytically speaking, but I think there's something still to be said for your confidence level when. You've gotten a good swing of a series this yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, you know, dicks on the table time. And I think you unlock things strategically. Dicks um, on the table time. Dicks it's, on it's not a, that's not a thing. Don't don't put your dicks on any tables, kids. Kids especially. D- don't adults. No, especially not kids. Yeah, adults, adults don't kids, do it in front stuff. of kids. God damn it! This went off. I'm sorry. Oh, this man. is a bad bad tangent, Eric. Bad tangent, Eric. Back to the butts neck. The B- butts. The butts and the necks. The butts and the necks. The and the nets. <laughs> Oh my god. Quicksand in here. Here we go, guys. We're back. We're back. This is the Texas Triangle. I'm gonna take another I want to remind you that that last segment was brought to you by the Forever Purge <laughs> in theaters July 4th. <laughs> that last segment specifically. Yeah. The stuff about dicks on tables. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I think um Maybe we should move on to the Sixers and Hawks. Oh, man. Sixers and Hawks, man. I am I love you, Trey. I was even, like, I've texted a few times, like, hey, maybe a topic for the show. Like, should we still be mad at the Hawks for taking Trey Young? Good save. Yeah. We almost had a beer disaster here. But uh, I don't think we should. I think Trey Young is the truth. I think he was the right choice for this team, especially at the the. Pers- the proceeding moves made Trey Young the right choice for this team. I don't know if that makes sense. The Bogdanovich, the the Clint Capella, the those kind of moves that they made to fit around Trey. Yeah. I feel like you put Luca in this situation, and you probably have the same team as yeah. far as ceiling goes. And I, I I don't know, man. I'm proud of you guys. I think the Sixers are just gonna absolutely maul you for the rest of the series. Yeah, I think um, they finally decided. You know, for 48 minutes or however long Trey is out there, we're having either Ben Simmons or Tybal on you. Yep, and it's tough. It's yeah. going to be really tough going with those two guys on you, man. And ben I, Simmons, I, wow. I know the Hawks are dealing with the R.J. Hunter, no, uh, DeAndre Hunter yep. injury. R.J. Hunter. R.J. Hunter, just mixing Hawks and Knicks. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, but I, I regardless, I still didn't think this was going to be the most competitive series. I just don't think they have any way of contending with the size and talent of the Sixers and Joel Embiid in particular. I think Trey Young still has a lot to learn in terms of being a winner in the playoffs. Um, you know, the comparison is always thrown around like the Steve Nash, Steph Curry. I think he's more mm-hmm. Steve Nash than Steph Curry. I don't think you a do. lot of people say that. Interesting. I, I, th- I could see that too. Yeah. I see him as a lot of Dame Lillard too. He seems like that kind of like just blast off, shoot. The confidence. Point guard, yeah. Confidence, just utterly ridiculous in crunch time sometimes. He's a crazy slick passer though, man. He really is, man. Yeah. He's fun as hell to watch. He's he's pretty fucking cool to watch and um He seems like a gracious, nice kid too. Like all of his interviews I'm always like nodding afterwards. Like, oh yeah, yeah that guy seems cool. You know? Yeah. Like, Just watching him talk shit in that Nick series was fun. Yes, it was. He would be such a great Nick. <laughs> he really that, yeah. ironically, yes, yeah. he really would. But so um, many guys would be great Nicks, but it's like, man, Dolan owns that team, so you don't wish any of it on him. Like, uh, I don't want any I don't want the Knicks to be good. I want Dolan to be gone, really. Right. But I do think this series is kind of a referendum on um, the Luca Trey debate because you you brought up what if you put Luca on this team? I think the results are probably similar. I do think Luca's a much better player. But I think he's more more balanced, I guess. I don't know. I've seen a big development in Trey defensively that I haven't seen in Luca. This series in particular, last couple games. He seemed to really want to be like, I want that steal in that crucial moment. I saw him maul Simmons for the ball and down the stretch last game. I just think Trey's a guy that you can target strategically in a way that you can't necessarily target Trey. No, no, Luca. Luca is not a good defensive player, but at least he has some size and some girth. Yeah. And if you get the wrong guy switched on the Trey, he's fucked. You're right. Whereas Luca can, you know, use leverage and things like that, Um, but. But I think if um, if Luca had the sort of competent team construction that Trey has had, and the Hawks haven't had the you know perfect, they haven't built a perfect team around him, but they've built a much deeper, more competitive roster around Trey than the Mavs have been able to do with Luca. I agree completely. They haven't sold out to one end of the floor the way the Mavs seem to have done. Yeah. And yeah. And no, one single str- one singular strategy for that matter. Exactly. Yeah. I I yeah, I do like the roster construction of the Hawks a lot more than the Mavs. Woof. Got a little beer burp there. Sorry everybody. But uh relative <laughs> to relative to their superstar building block. I think the Mavs are still I feel like they were almost surprised by getting Luca or something. I don't yeah. or surprised that Luca was what he was and they weren't ready to build around this whereas the the Hawks went into this thinking Trey Young's our guy and we're building a team around him. Well, I think they just put way too many chips on the Porzingis thing. Do you really you know what? You're right. I'll give him I need to give him more credit than that. You're right. They they thought Porzingis was going to be that was the piece. You know, the AD to Luca's LeBron and You're right. Instead he's um I don't even know what he is. Andrea Bargnani, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's just just not there fully, and you can tell a lot of it is is mentality, and a lot of it is him not feeling respected or whatever. Yeah. I feel like he's going to go somewhere else and put forth a lot of effort and be really great, and for a while, and the Mavs fans are going to be all mad. He needs to go like, somewhere where he can keep calm. Yes, like Kristaps. Like yeah, Kristaps. Agreed. 
He needs to go somewhere where there's Ferraris on ice. No, Lambos on ice because they got the upward opening doors on them. Yeah. And a, a traditional Latvian dancer clogging in a rap video. Where is that? Like Chicago, Toronto? Good question. Yeah, probably Toronto is the closest you can do. I feel like New York was pretty close to... Houston? Yeah, Houston and New York are both pretty... You could probably, yeah, you could probably find some, some Latvian hotbeds and, and some... some in Houston? Yeah, Houston <laughs> Latvian culture is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Grills, the Latvian grill culture. <laughs> That's the fifth ward, not the third ward. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you don't want to know what the sixth ward no, is. Oh, no, that one's rough. You don't even want to know about that one. Yeah. That's where Catino Mobley's from. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but, anyways. Um, that's enough Mavs. Um, let's talk Pelicans, man. Yeah, dude. Let's move on to the Pelicans. It's man. time for the Pelicans the- segment. <laughs> the Pelicans, baby. I mean, honestly, I don't even know. They they got uh they got what the number ten pick this year according to record. Four point five percent chance at the number one pick. That's that's not great, but weirder things have happened. Yeah. Where do they where do they draft? What do they search for? Are they looking best available? Are they still that woeful that they're like, no, we just need best available player? So I'm a conspiracy theorist when it comes to the draft lottery. And I think the league is so desperate to make sure that Zion is on center stage. Oh, I can see that. Would it too. shock you to see the Pels jump up? Not at all. They are just ramming Zion down everyone's throats and it's he's not quite ready for it but he will be if you just be a little more patient with this let let Zion ram himself down my throat Ex- amen to that I don't man. need Adam Silver I almost called him Adam Stern Adam Stern to do that for me I <laughs> know <laughs> I'm with you I'm with you completely like I, I really think <laughs> Zion and Giannis will be the face of the league their own on their own in, in due time, we really don't need to force the issue right now. And there's plenty of other guys that are, are making their case, and we don't we don't want to make up our minds too quick here, you know? In, Luka in Don NBA. Cheadle. Yep, Luka Don Cheadle. <laughs> That's a good one. I haven't thought about that one. <laughs> Paul Pierce called him the Don the other night, and I was like, damn, I kind of like that. I got to admit, when the truth is right, he's right. That yeah. was pretty tight, the Don Luka. But, uh, call him the Dong. The Dong Chich. <laughs> <laughs> we're off the rails again but what what do what do we think the pels the third the real third texas team what, what do what do we think what do we think they draft what do you think they're targeting here is lonzo gone for sure is long lonzo leaving a foregone conclusion with that team so that's funny because uh you know since our last episode there have been uh, more than murmurs um about an exodus happening yep. in new orleans josh, josh hart uh, saying that he would like a fresh start elsewhere, Lonzo, yep. Yep. Um, wearing black and red. Oh, you yeah. know he he wants to be a bull. He does. He wants to be a bull. He would be a fun bull, actually. I think he fits that roster really well. That would be dope, actually. Him and Levine would be yeah. awesome backcourt. Yeah, so I think the Pels probably target a point guard. That'd be a good decision. And there are going to be a few available in that range. Um, Kate Cunningham would look great. Um, yeah. He'd look a lot better in, in a Rockets jersey. Just saying. All right, but <laughs> that's I mean, the other fucking segment. Yeah, that, <laughs> uh, but uh, there. Uh, 
I don't I don't know where their path upward is though regardless if there's going to be this exodus i guess they have bi they have zion they have this potential third high draft pick. what happens if ingram doesn't want to be there anymore exactly and he could he's well within his rights to yeah. be like yo this isn't for me i don't like what stan van's got going and you know i i don't like this situation at all at some point we just have to give up on the idea of new orleans as an nba franchise you might be right <laughs> Wow, this went from like the hilarious, like jokey fells or Pell's like fan base, like rah rah moments to now we're like, no, fuck this. Let's move them. Let's pack them up. Move them to Seattle. When it comes to small markets staying <laughs> in their markets, some kind of a doomsayer, especially when it comes to, you know, like the perpetual losers. Like the Pelicans have had so many shots at building title contenders yep. and they've had you know they've had Chris Paul they've had 80 now they have Zion and Brandon Ingram and generational talents generational talents and again (laughs) I think we're just going to see the same story again where Zion is probably requesting a trade you know and with the way player empowerment's going it could be sooner than ever before it really could it could be before his rookie deal is done it really could yeah and make a real easy grease the wheels for salary fucking situation I'm sure but I really I could see that happening too. Zion Williamson's not gonna have a forever patience, especially the way he's being fed. You're the next face of the NBA. He's gonna yeah. want to be on a winning team. So enjoy it while you can, Pels fans. Enjoy having a franchise while you can. Yes, because it might not be there forever. The Smoothie King Center might be lights out. Yeah. Smoothie King might find their money better spent elsewhere. Than sponsoring a team that is a shit show constantly. They're going to be the the Austin Pelicans in a few years. Yep. The Virginia Beach Pelicans. They'll have to compete with the Austin FC. Let me tell you. They're tearing it up over here. Yep. The gentrifiers really love it. Yep. They really do. Yeah. Sorry, we went off on an Austin tangent. That's where we're based, if you didn't know. We're here Um, in sweltering South Austin. Good God, it's 100 degrees today. It's back. Um, but thankfully, you know, we have 100% humidity instead of 140% like they have out east in Houston. Yeah. So we're a little bit better off. This year, the mosquitoes are only like vulture size. Yes. Rather than pterodactyl size. Exactly, yeah. There's yeah. no, no, uh, yeah, no gigantic pterosaurs swooping down from on high to suck our blood. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> It's the next Godzilla movie. The next addition to the franchise. <laughs> it's a Texas mosquito. Yes. It might win. Yeah. I don't know. But All right, so you want to do a deep dive on the lottery now? I guess we should. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, the obvious one from a Texas perspective, the Rockets have, have uh, tied for the third best odds at getting the number one pick. Thankfully, Daryl Morey gave us one parting gift when he made that Russell Westbrook trade at Harden's request and put a top four protection on the pick that would go to OKC this year. Um, if we do, if the Rockets do not land in the top four, there's a 50% chance more or less that that happens. That pick goes to OKC and they get the number four and five picks potentially, or one, two, three and five picks potentially. They, they could be anywhere depending on Lotto because they're the fourth worst record. That would be so, devastating. That would hurt my soul if Sam Presti got the last laugh after all the James Harden joking we've been doing over the years. Uh, man. Yeah, Jeremy Lamb and I stole your pick. 
eight years later, nine years later. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, let's let's kind of break down the different possibilities. So the best outcome is the Rockets land the number one pick and take Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham for sure. So if they land the two, three, four pick, uh, what what where do you go with that? It's so debatable. I don't know. It feels like a lot more like rabble, 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 arguing over these picks. And I don't know. I think Green is a nice one. I like Suggs. I think Mobley's fine. I think any of them are good. I'd probably shy away from Mobley more than anything because of the, the big, big fit with Chris mm-hmm. Wood and stuff. But I don't think we have any... Like, I don't think Houston has any position or is in any position to be picky about what position the player is. If you think the best player that's there is someone that's not going to fit nicely with Chris Wood, then you move Chris Wood. And it's a a bottom-dwelling team no matter which way you look at it until John Wall's contract is off the books. So I'd like to actually revisit the Chris Wood trade thing maybe later in the pod. But um, you brought up Evan Mobley, and I'm kind of dubious about him. Now, if the Spurs somehow jumped up to the second pick and took him, I'd be ecstatic. <laughs> but I don't like the way he's built. Something about his size and build and the way he moves. I don't, I'm with you, man. Yeah. I'm a little bit... Uh, he's like a little high-waisted. It's just, Yeah. I worry about health. Yeah. I really worry about health. That's the only thing that can really just absolutely screw a draft pick. But and, he could definitely be... Uh, a prototypical NBA, modern NBA big. Also true. If he works out. So, you know, I mean, and all these kids, they're children. They're literally children. They really that, are. That we're talking about, so. And then they could go anywhere from here. And anybody yeah. can react anyway when they're given a platter full of money as well. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea of guys who have done the G League thing. I don't yeah. know. That's why Green keeps You like the Greens and the Gringos? Yes, I, I respect the idea of a guy who went and played with professionals for yeah. a year. Instead of Wisconsin kids, and and I was that's a bad way to put it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like you, just, you end up with like three great players on a court at the same time in an NCAA game. And why do free labor for the NCAA? Also true. You can get some money. You can get some practice against professionals, and and yeah. get better and make money that way, and practice and learn how to be a pro. And I just I feel like guys who do that. It's kind of like a fast track to that four-year guy that used to be a whole yeah. stereotype back in the day where a four-year guy comes in more poised and mature. And I feel like a kid who goes through the G League ringer for a year is going to maybe potentially have that aspect and be able to have fast-tracked their talent a little more. So I'm intrigued. I would be very intrigued by, by Green, personally, if I landed 2-3 in that range. I like him. And he's a guy that has a wide range of... Uh, Outcomes on a lot of the uh, mock drafts I've seen. Some people are mm-hmm. high on him. Some people have him late lottery, which is strange yep. to me. Agreed. I think he has the second highest ceiling in the maybe not the se- second or third highest. I think Kuminga, if you know he ends up on the right team, could be crazy. Agreed. Um, but I think he has a really high ceiling, and I think if you don't have the number one pick, you just you swing for ceiling and talent. I think so too. Um, I think, like you said, you know, going for fit when you're at the phase of a rebuild that the rocks are at, the rockets are in it's just it's not wise not at all okay so now i want to talk about that other outcome oh yeah the one where you lose <sighs> that pick to okc where do you go from there what's your first emotional reaction where do you go from there 
And do you just stop following the NBA forever? Do I have to do the podcast by myself? <laughs> like, if we come back after the draft to do the pod and the Rockets don't have their pick, okay. is it just you sobbing into the micro- microphone? Potentially. Yeah. Potentially for at least a segment or two, yeah. Um, I, I, there's still the 23rd and 24th picks. That's like, something. Wow, that's not terrible. Yeah. And if we lose that pick, we end up swapping with Miami and end up like 18 or something. So it's like 18, 23, 24 in that situation, which isn't the end of the world and is also a package that could potentially move up, hopefully. Like, maybe you pair that with Christian Wood and like swap, swap for the mini pick or something, you know. Maybe something like that happens. And, and yeah. that we'll see what, what kind of stuff Stone is cooking up. I still think the optics of moving off Chris Wood is a little bit rough, but... I also don't think we're on the radar enough to be concerned about optics. So how old is Christian Wood? Uh, 26, I believe. He's older than you would expect. So he's a developing guy. He's 26. Let's say the Rockets are rebuilding for the next three years, like outside of the playoffs, which I know in a previous podcast we talked about how the Rockets could even be a play-in team as yeah. early as next season. But let's say realistically that they're out. So do you want, if you're Christian Wood, do you want to spend your prime just you know, cash and checks on a bad team. I don't know. It seems to he me, seems to love Houston. Yes, and it seems to me he's really committed and determined to not make it a bad team anymore. Um, right. And I don't know how much he can do with that single handedly, but I, I feel like he's a competitive guy and a really talented player. And and you lose a lot less games if he's there and healthy this season. We mm. don't have that ridiculous twenty game losing streak if Chris Wood is there for most of it. Yeah. So I, um, let's just do the Christian Wood debate. So like if I, as an outsider, I'm probably leaning towards moving Christian Wood regardless of what he wants. Yep. And it seems to me that uh, the Rockets intelligentsia on social media is kind of leaning that way too. Um, I, I think, you know, you're trying to lose right now anyways. I know you don't have your picks, but maybe you just... I just don't really see the point of keeping him. I think we're the Rockets are in this weird limbo purgatory state right now with John Wall on board. That this is kind of like a well, we're capped. Go ahead and try to compete. Yeah. Situation and Chris Wood helps that vibe, yeah. and I think he. You don't really, have to move him right now. No. Yeah. And but I think also you give Chris Wood another season mm-hmm. with the training staff and the player development guys that Houston has. I really think Chris Wood could be the type of guy where you say you have Chris Wood, you have Cade Cunningham, there's some free agent available and yeah. we have the cap space. That's not an unattractive destination at all. I think regardless of what happens in the lottery, you know, you at least wait out the first half of the season until the trade deadline and you say, you know, we have Chris Wood who's Probably going to get at least a little bit better. You know, he's mostly who so. he is, but, you know, you could at least marginally improve. Definitely. And um, I mean, his frame still, he's low. He's very, he's old for his development stage, I would say. But he's also, I think, a late bloomer in the yeah. sense that he's pre, he's, he's doing kind of a Julius Randle curve now yeah. where he's late in his career. But he's, he's now is when he's getting a lot better. And I don't know what we've heard from John Wall so far this offseason, but if he can come back a little healthier, a little better... 
he seems i saw a really funny thing where they were doing like an instagram poll one of the like weird rockets fan accounts and they were like do you think john john wall's staying or leaving and uh he voted and said no he's gonna leave and uh everybody kind of laughed at that whole thing like damn that's fucked up but i think he was honestly being just pragmatic and honest like he doesn't think he's going to be there it's not that he doesn't necessarily want to be he doesn't really have a whole lot of choice in the matter exactly yeah and I don't think he would care either way. I think he'd be fine. He's going to get a huge payday, and he'll get to be a, the guy more than he were would have been with with Beal. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think he. I, I I personally think John Wall sticks around. I could see someone like the Knicks or someone sniffing around and actually giving a good offer for him, or not a good offer, but a, an unreasonable offer, frankly, because that contract is insane. You take any good offer for John Wall. I just don't think there's any good offers that are going to be out there for him. Uh, you're kind of stuck with this insane contract for so, the remainder. I don't think it's terrible, though. I think he's a good influence on the young guys. I think he's a nice, good good guy to have on the team and in the locker room. And he's a productive player when he's there. So what if the Knicks call and they say, we will take John Wall into our cap space and give you nothing in return. But we also want, like, that, that your latest first-round pick. <clears throat> what do you say? I don't know that it's worth putting a sweetener on it. Because if the team, the Rockets own their pick next year, I believe, um, for a change. It's every other year kind of thing with OKC. And I'm pretty certain that sucking next year wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, so I'd say keep Wall. You don't really yeah. go anywhere on your win win column. You're not counting on him. using that cap space for anything. No, yeah, you're not counting on drawing a free agent next yeah. season at any point. Uh, it, it's going to be an uncompetitive year pretty much regardless unless Cade Cunningham comes to the fold and is just an absolute beast with Chris Wood and Jay Sean Tate and some of the other guys takes the yeah. le- take the leap. Kenyon Martin Jr., Kevin Porter Jr., those are two guys that could also completely drastically alter the plans. Um, assuming they move forward and take that next step. But I would say just hang on to Wall if you're having to attach any kind of pick sweetener to get rid of him. Okay. That would be my my take. Just to be patient, wait it out. He'll be gone after next year yeah. and move forward from there, I guess. But it, the Rockets situation is just so strange, and that Russell Westbrook deal just kind of handicapped everything so hard. That it's uh Damn you Mori. Damn you Daryl Mori. Really damn you James Harden and Tillman Fertita. I think Mori was trying to talk everybody out of it in the, the final hours. He was and like, Okay, I'll do it. Yeah, and then Fertita stepped yeah. in and was like, Don't you get cold feet. I, I want I want the superstar. Give me Russell Westbrook. And uh I mean honestly, let's be fair, when Russ was fully healthy right after the Capella trade. And there was that run where he was basically our center, and it was phenomenal, and it was really fun, and small ball was kind of just, it seemed like it was going to be the next thing. It was unguardable. But get him to the playoffs, he was hurt. He had had COVID. There was just all kinds of problems. It didn't seem like James was totally there. there. Yeah, Harden yeah. was done being there. Yep. Which was strange. Very strange. Yeah. Since he demanded this whole thing. Yeah. The writing um, was on the wall. Yep. Yeah. But it's funny that it came out after the fact that after 2019, he said, it's me or Chris, trade one of us. And they were like, okay, okay, we'll trade Chris. And it was kind of funny that at that point, what you could have gotten for James Harden would have probably could have built a really good team around Chris Paul. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
Uh, this is funny. Hindsight's twenty twenty, though. I yeah. mean, if you look back in 2019 and you picked Chris Paul over James Harden, you would be in the loony bin. So there's there's just something to be said. It's it's wild. Basketball is a, a cool mistress sometimes. Yep. <laughs> it's um, cruel more often than not. True. Speaking of cruelty, um, the Spurs have the 12th pick in the lottery. Yep. Which is not a terrible place to be, even if you don't move anywhere. Yeah. Judging from what you guys have done with a 14th or 12th pick, so I feel like San Antonio always just knocks it out of the damn park. I'd rather have the 29th pick. That's where the Spurs seem to really succeed. Because, <laughs> um, damn, they've gotten some really good players with that pick. Um, but I think if you're the Spurs of the 12th pick... You can't count on them making a deal. You don't know who's coming back at that point. You just take the best player available. And uh, you go from there. Um, you know, and this this draft is pretty deep. Uh, there's plenty of talent going, you know, all the way down to the 12th pick. I think there are a lot of guys who could fit a need. I mean, if you're the Spurs, you need shooting. You need playmaking. You need size. Um, so there's really no wrong answer where you go there. <laughs> That's fair. Um I think a lot of Spurs fans would have a fucking conniption if they picked another guard, but um, I'm okay with it, you know? If it's the right guard. Yeah, if it's the right guard, then fuck it. At worst case, you know, you move one of those guys to the bench. Exactly. Or move one of them into another team. Yeah. Yeah. Or something else, yeah. No, you're right. Spurs don't trade. (laughs) They they don't, unless it's for DeMar DeRozan. Um, I don't think it's right. Uh, oh, the spite trade to Toronto, the move that backfired. You know, it didn't... It, getting Jakob Pertl... That was cool. And Keldon Johnson, if you subtracted the DeMar DeRozan part from it, that's a pretty good return. It really is. That's an okay return for Kawhi Leonard. It's not, not an okay return, but... That's not okay for Kawhi, but it's not a terrible return in general. Yeah. It's not as bad as it looked two years ago. Yes. Um... But I guess, you know, that's dead and buried and it's been done. And um, Yeah. Um, we may still have one more year of DeMar. Don't say that. We shall see. Don't say that. The ball's in, in his court. Uh, the balls are in my mouth. Yep. The DeMar <laughs> balls are all up in your mouth. DeMar, I mean, there are so many teams where you could be in the playoffs. If you're listening, DeMar, you're not. <laughs> DeMar, DeMar DeRozan is one of our seven listeners <laughs> I'm going to DM DeMar to send him the podcast <laughs> not after this week motherfucker <laughs> no, I, I mean yeah. this, I mean I, I, I've never felt so ambivalent about a Spurs team in my life just because I think they're just stuck in the middle no matter what unless something miraculous happens and um, it's not going to happen. So that's depressing, but probably true. Yeah, you know the old disgruntled sixth man of the year mm. trades don't happen to save you from the mediocrity treadmill. Often, you know. Yeah, and that's that's tough. I don't know where the Spurs go from here without having that. David Robinson gets injured and we win 30 games here. We get the first pick kind of vibes. Yeah, and this team is so deep with, you know, decent talent that, you know, they can afford to lose a guy and they're still, it's not going to really change their record that much. Yep. You know, I think um, 
you're you're wanting to keep Dejounte and Derek White, Yaga Pirtle. Those are three guys who can be. I would keep Keldon. Yeah, yeah, Keldon. Um, but I think with Derek Dejounte and Yaga, if you have three guys who I strongly believe can be starters on a really good playoff team, Keldon, um, we're gonna have to see how he develops defensively. Because mm-hmm. man, he got abused a lot this season and you would look at him and think he would be a really good man defender because uh, he has all that strength and hustle but his feet are a little bit slow he's only 6'5 he's out there guarding you know power forwards and guys like Kawhi Leonard and they're just roasting him yep and uh Devin Vassell is exciting I agree um he he, sh- he showed a lot of flashes where I thought man you get him running off screens. He kind of looked, you know, he looked like a piece. He's a guy who can, he's got those long arms, he can get deflections, but it's another guy who's fucking 6'5", you know? Yep. How many 6'5 guys do you need? <laughs> it's too It's too big in some situations and too small in others, yeah. and yeah, yeah. And I'm with you. That 6'5", like, 6'6", six, six range is tough. Like, I love the 6'5 point guard thing, but when you have four of them, yep. well, it's just, it's just Derek and DeJounte. And then you have, like, Devin Vassell and Kelton Johnson, who probably need to play the three, but they're 6'5", and you don't really want to count on them defending the best wing players in the NBA. Yep. Which, I mean, they could they could grow, they could develop, but I think if you're the Spurs, you're hoping, you're hoping that one of those, like, Franz Wagner guys or, like, a Jonathan Kuminga somehow falls into your lap. And then you have that big combo forward who can, you know, switch and you can throw at... The Kawhis and PGs and, you know, Luka Doncic's of the world and everything. Then the roster starts to make a lot more sense. Exactly. Like, you, you can develop a lot of things and skills, but you can't develop size, typically. Yeah, so, and that's, yeah, that's, that's that's the big thing. It's size and shooting. Yep. I mean, all those guards, they're going to have to make a choice at some point. Maybe this year during the draft or offseason or the trade deadline is where they finally make that decision of who they're going to you know, um, decide to move forward with because I don't think all of these guys, they're going to get better and they're going to want more playing time and more opportunities and you just, you can't have them all. Yeah. And that's kind of the peril of drafting all these guys. Like we talk about, you just draft the best player available, but when the best player available is always in the same mold as the guys that you have already... You have to make a change at some point. You end up with a log jam, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, I think their big priority is, you know, clearing up that log jam, finding a guy who fits one of the holes, um, shooting, kind of figuring out what they want to be. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah. I think, I think they have a blueprint there with Derek and Dejounte and Jakob, like this rangy defensive team who's going to get steals and out in transition. Mm-hmm. Um, Jakob Pertl is an amazing rim protector. He's a switchy center. He had one of the most incredible midseason turnarounds as a free throw shooter I've ever seen in my life. He was like historically bad, 25, 26% until the All-Star break and then Pop ripped him a new one. And he said something like, you know, he's been here and he hasn't improved at all. He hasn't tried. And then the next game, he was like a 75% free throw (laughs) shooter for the rest of the season. And Bob I think still knows how to push those buttons, man. Yeah, he's still got a little magic. He's still yeah. a really good button pusher. Um, I think his presence is still needed. I just, you know, I think maybe some new voices coming in will help. 
Um, and there are going to be some openings. I mean, maybe Mike Bootenholzer comes back. Becky Hammond's in the running for that Portland job. Big time. That's, um, you know, I'd like Becky to stay, but if she's the person that they choose for that job, then that's great. Yeah, that's awesome for Good her. for Becky, good yeah. for the league, good for the world. Yeah, good for Portland, frankly, probably. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, seems like it. It would suck for her to be the first female head coach ever and just be terrible. Fucking suck ass at it. Yeah, that would be <laughs> awful. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is it? Futurama where Leela plays baseball, but they only signed her to just bean people because <laughs> she has no depth perception kind of thing. Like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't think that will happen, though. I don't either. Yeah. I don't either at all. I think her with Dame Lillard would actually be quite scary. Yeah. So I guess... um Next week, we won't be recording on Sunday. We're going to wait until after the draft lottery. Yep. I'll be in the beautiful Oregon. Yeah. So we're going to have a lot more uh, draft talk, off-season talk. Big time. We'll see a lot more clarity to the plans, yeah. I think, moving yeah. forward. Right um, now, there's not a lot to talk about on the Texas front. No. I was going to ask, do you think that Knicks, the Knicks getting the Mavs pick this year, I think it's, uh, what is it, 21 Mm -hmm. you think that is anything that the Mavs are going to look back on and regret? Do you think that 21 pick could end up being a guy that's like, oh, shit, that really would have shored up this 3 and D thing that we need around Luka? Or... It, it could be. I mean, statistically, the 21st pick is like, a, you know, 7th, 8th man rotation yep. guy at, at best. Um, <clears throat> and, I mean, if you're in New York, you're going to take what you can get. Amen. And honestly, just getting a pick for Porzingis is amazing in hindsight. Yep. Um they got and, multiple too, right? Don't they yeah. have next year's or something? Yeah, too? they, have like a few, they, have, they yeah. get a few picks out of I it. Think they got a couple. Um, whew, the Mavs. Um, we're going to have a lot to talk about with them this offseason too. Yeah, we really are. So I'm, I'm honestly really excited for the playoffs to wrap up so we can start focusing on me too. the the transactional team building side of it because that's what the actually real, gets me going. Me too. The fun part of the season yeah. when they're not playing basketball. I oh. can't shoot a basketball, <laughs> but God damn it, I can look at a spreadsheet. Amen Anyone that, can brother. do that. Um, <laughs> but no, I agree. I think we're going to have a lot of really fun, exciting things to discuss here moving forward. And um, I, I'm excited to see what goes on. And I would like to get a Mavs fan in here to, to reiterate. If anybody is listening yeah. that would be down to get in here and chat with us. We don't want to just roast the Mavs constantly. We, we'd like to talk about it honestly and have a good, good perspective on it. So Yeah, yeah DM us on Twitter at TexTriangleNBA. Email us at the Texas Triangle. At Gmail, right? I think it's just the Texas Triangle. Yeah. 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 At Gmail. Um, yeah. Everybody, thank you for listening. Follow us on Spotify. Um, the Forever Purge is in theaters July 4th. The Forever Purge is in theaters July 4th. Don't forget. Um, and yeah, that's about it. We're about to uh, forever purge this, this episode. And see you guys later. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think if Luca comes back, the frosted tips, he's the MVP. <laughs> I like that. While Eric's doing that, I would like to thank another one of our sponsors, the Bill Simmons Podcast. And mayonnaise. <laughs>